0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for August 6th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, And Yet She Persisted.
1: I fear that I might be misunderstood or negatively labeled. And I feel a little bit vulnerable. So I'll just name that ahead of time. The second thing I want to name is that I recognize that I'm preaching a very binary sermon, i.e. I'm talking about male and female as if they are two distinct sexual identities. And with all the trans conversations going on in our culture today it is once again the church that is behind the times but you got to start somewhere and so for today with my apologies to all of those who are on the spectrum of understanding their sexual identity i am talking today about male and female mostly female But I just wanted to say up front that I recognize that even that conversation is behind the times. But here it goes. I need to start using Dove products. I have no idea if they're good for your skin. I have no idea if they work or not. But I need to start using Dove. Anything made by Dove, I support. And I do so because of their campaigns and ads about women's issues. Have you seen them? This afternoon, Google it, and you will sit there for the day and cry. They have tapped into something that we all need to be talking about. Women and body issues. But not just women and body issues. It's just women's issues. Our most recent presidential election gave us plenty to talk about as well. I am just going to have to trust that we are all mature enough that we can talk about this without anyone thinking about partisan politics. I am not talking about partisan politics. But unfortunately, we either argued about it or refrained from talking about it altogether. So an entire campaign season that lasted forever, and in many ways feels like it's still going on, bombarded us with lots to talk about concerning women. And yet, for the most part, I have remained silent. A woman nearly became president of the United States of America. That is worth talking about from a theological perspective. Like her or hate her, it's worth a conversation about what it means to little girls and young women and to adult women and to grandmothers for that matter that a woman, a woman almost became president of the United States of America. That is significant. After almost a hundred years of women having the right to vote, a woman almost became president. And we need to talk about, not in partisan political terms, but in theological terms, we need to talk about what it means to have a president that refers to women in the very crass ways that he does. He owes us an apology. For the ways that he has talked about women's appearances and women's bodies. It is not okay for him or anybody else to talk about women's bodies that way. It's not okay. My father loved to say, Well, somebody ought to tell him. And he loved to be the one. I don't really love to be the one, but today I'm going to be the one. It's not okay. Somebody needs to say that. Just ask Queen Vashti. She said, I'll have none of that, and she left her royal throne. You see, the presidential election of 2016 left us with a lot more to talk about than just politics. What I'm talking about is not politics. I'm talking about women and how women are created in the image of God, and it's about how women are loved by God, and it's about how women are more than outward appearances. It's about how we talk about women. It's about how we treat women. It's about how we think about women. It's about how we keep silent about women and their issues. I would hope that we are all feminists. It's not a bad word. Feminazi is a terrible word. That is not a feminist. A feminist is someone who believes in the inherent worth of all women. A feminist believes that a woman can be and should be anything she chooses to be. Feminists have a common goal, to define, establish, and achieve political, economic, personal, and social rights for women. I believe this is how God sees us, how God treats us, how God uses us. So I thought I would preach a sermon series back in March about Queen Esther and feminism in light of the conversation stemming out of the November election. I decided this before the outcome of the election because it was something I wanted to talk about and it wasn't something I wanted to talk about in terms of either individual candidate. They had simply handed us, the church, a theological conversation starter by who they are and how they act. The church— should speak up, speak out, speak for women in a culture that has historically objectified women. As far as we have come, we are not there yet. But as March approached, I had a real sense that we weren't ready for the conversation. Rhetoric was still way too heated, and I felt there was no way I could discuss it without being heard as partisan politics. So I dropped it. And I tried to forget about it. Then one of you requested an Esther sermon. Be careful when soliciting input from the pew. They may just force you to tackle topics you would rather leave untouched. But that election handed the church an opportunity to say something about women, to women, and for women the truth is, I've been in this place long enough that I forget how lucky I am. And I forget that my story is not most women's stories in the church. I forget that women need for me to speak up and speak out. And women aren't the only ones that need that. Men and boys need it well as well. My sons need it just as much as your daughters need it. We forget around here that in many churches there are no or not nearly enough women in positions of spiritual leadership. In so many cases, people's faith formation is guided only by male representations of the image of God. I'm made no more aware of this than even when we go to university Youth Camp And they realize, oh, goodness, only men have been on the stage tonight doing anything in a spiritual way. Amy, would you please come and invite people to the table so that we have a female representation of the image of God standing behind that table? We forget. And when we forget, we fail to speak out and speak up. Just because I've been a senior pastor for over 16 years, and just because you have been ordaining women as deacons forever and have had a female pastor for over 16 years, it is not enough to think that we have arrived. And it's certainly not enough for us to keep silent. Almost having a woman as president is not an indicator that sexism is dead any more than having an African-American president means racism is over. All one needs to do is pay attention to the wage disparity between men and women. Or all one needs to do is notice how women are more sexualized and objectified on TV and in movies and on billboards than men are. Or all you have to do is have a security guard greet you last Friday me, a 51-year-old professional woman, as good morning young lady. It's patronizing and demeaning. You may think it's cute and polite. It's not. I guarantee you that security guard would never have addressed Russ that way. It is sexism alive and well in both overt and subtle ways. Queen Esther was a feminist. It is true. She came to royal power for such a time that she saved her people. And to this day, she is celebrated and revered as a woman of courage and strength and fortitude and savvy and sass. I love her. She was so much more than her outward appearance. Though let us not forget the former Queen Vashti, who decided to claim her own feminist ways when she said no to being treated as a commodity just for her good looks. She too is to be admired for stepping away from a system where only her body and her appearance were appreciated. I mentioned the dove ants. Have you seen them? They're fantastic. They make me cry. There's this one with a sketch artist. The woman walks in. He does not see her. She sits behind a curtain, and she describes herself to him, and he begins to sketch. After he sketches her, she leaves, and someone that she has met previously just that day and spent some time with that day comes in behind the curtain and describes the woman that just left, and he begins to sketch. When they bring the woman back in to look at the two pictures, the one that she described of herself and the one that someone else described of her, the one that she described of herself is more harsh, not very attractive. But the one that the other person described of her is softer and more beautiful and looks so much more like her. And when she sees the difference in how she sees herself and how someone else sees her, she, she cries. And then there's the one where, um, let me get it right. Oh, there's the one where they're walking into this mall or this big building, and the women do not know that they're being filmed. And they're coming in, and they have two entrances to, to come into the building. One has a huge sign over it that says average. And the other has a huge sign over it that says beautiful. And you stand there and watch these women try to decide which door to walk through. And many of them go through the average door. And some find their way into the beautiful door and drag people along with them. And then they interview them afterwards about why did you call yourself average, and not beautiful? And then there's the one, this is the last one I'll tell you about. Then there's the one where a man is sitting in a chair in front of a huge screen and he has a pulse indicator on his finger on the chair and a computer hooked up up for his heart rate. And he's watching these images of gorgeous models up on the screen and he's asked to describe what makes them beautiful. And he's telling about it and you're watching his heart rate. And then unbeknownst to him, they flash up a picture of his sister, or his wife, or his daughter, or his grandmother, and they ask him to describe what makes her beautiful. And as he talks about it, his heart rate goes up. Women, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we not see our beauty, but only accentuate our flaws? And why do we do this to other women? I've told you before that when I first started in this profession, I dressed more like a man. I made sure that I always wore a white collared shirt under my robe on top of whatever dress I was wearing underneath because the robe didn't look right without a collar showing. It didn't look right without a collar showing because I had only ever seen men wear clerical robes. And they always had on a white collar under their robe. As it turns out, it looks just fine without a collar showing. But it surely took me years to learn that. And oh, I had all the shoulder padded blazers, one in every color, to dress the part. Until one day I saw, heard one of the best sermons I've ever heard. Susan Hull preached a sermon about Jephthah's daughter. And Susan had long flowing hair and makeup and beautiful jewelry and this gorgeous colorful scarf wrapped all around her neck. I don't really remember much about the sermon because I was so mesmerized by a preacher who felt comfortable to dress just like she wanted to dress. She didn't have to fit any preconceived image of what a preacher looked like. She could have dressed in a suit and tie or makeup and high heels. As long as she was being completely herself, what more would God want from her? And it was then that I allowed myself to wear long, dangly earrings in the pulpit. I'm not getting rid of the robe. Do not have a conversation with me about that. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell had no idea how what he said to Senator Elizabeth Warren on the Senate floor would take off. In a typically heated moment among all of our leaders, McConnell said, Senator Warren was given a lengthy speech. She had appeared, she had appeared to violate the rule. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. And that was it. It took off. You can buy t-shirts and coffee mugs and bracelets emblazoned with, nevertheless, she persisted. People even have it tattooed on them. They love that phrase so much. You may not be surprised to know that I love the phrase too, and it has absolutely nothing to do with McConnell and Warren, because it has everything to do with Esther and Sarah, and Ruth, and Naomi, and Eve, and Lydia, and Phoebe, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, and Mary and Martha, and Hannah, and Elizabeth, and Hagar, and Shiphrah, and Puah, and Miriam, and Rahab, and Anna, and Joanna, and Priscilla, nevertheless, she persisted. These are just a few of the ones named in the Bible, 189 women named in the Bible, not counting all the mothers of and daughters of and women at the wells for whom we don't have a name. From the very beginning of time, women in the Bible and women in history and women in our pews have nevertheless persisted, and their stories Need to be told and honored and imitated. I feel that this sermon's been a little bit of a jumble of thoughts. It's been written since Friday. I mean, that never happens. But there's more to come week after next because this one is a two sermon thing. Not next week, but the next. There's more to come about women and body image and women and power and women and persistence, and women and God. May it be so. Amen.
0: We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.